with Jesus this morning? Man, I'm telling you, me too. Woo. It's so good to see you all. I just want to, I love that you're here. I want to invite you also that we have a 9 a.m. service and uh, feel free to come. I know it's cold in the morning, but just, a, just an invite, just a simple invite, just a thought. Love to have you. You guys will help me preach at 9 a.m. Well, I feel like I'm preaching to the Valley of Dry Bones, but you guys are alive. You are the flesh and the meat that the Lord spoke through the prophet Ezekiel. Come on. I love it. I love it. Help a brother out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're, uh, everybody enjoy it. Let's see if I get the same hoop and hurrah. Everybody still enjoying the fast? Anybody still hanging in there? Hey! You know who's close to the Lord. They're excited. Well... Sometimes it looks like that. Somebody may just be hollering. But uh, we're, we're really close. Like, we're really close. We're one week away. Saturday, we're, we're, we're quitting. We're done. We're, 21 days is up. And I'm uh, going to find some table of showbread somewhere. Where are the rolls at? Where's the cinnamon, honey butter? Come on with it. I'm already planning the feast. <laughs> I don't know if that's legal or you should be doing it. You know, Religious folk would be like, I can't believe he's talking about food on the fast. But I, I'm talking about food on the fast. And so I'm longing for things, but I'm really long. I really have been, I really have been telling myself, my bread, my nourishment is to do the will of the Father. And so God changes my heart, and all of a sudden the sensitivity comes back. What's the will of the Father today for my life, for my family? And I just do that to the best of my ability until I get hungry again. And then I have to go through the same cycle. Well, I, I wanna wanna remind you, we are on our 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 prayer 21 days. No, no breads, no meats, no sweets, and uh, we're adding like a poultry or a fish, and so not in rations, not just a bunch of it. So, uh, you know, we're just we're just trying to go for it. I don't know about you, you know, you probably have a legalistic home where you're like you can't have any of that stuff. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm calling you out. <laughs> over here, where is that? Oh, there, there's another one over here. <laughs> just messing. You got to hear from the Lord. Now, and whatever it is that the Lord is asking you to do, and, and I really, if you've never done this, truly ask the Lord, hey, Lord, what, what do you want me to cut out for this week? I, I can tell you, it do a lot of people good to just cut out social media for the next week. Cut out some kind of screen time that's a little secular and not enough Jesus. Think about the filter for this next week and see what happens in that nearness for you, with you, and with the Lord. And so I'm just, it's just a, I'm just inviting you into that story you get to decide, but I can tell you, I am enjoying this time of prayer and fasting. I've loved the verses as well. You can track with us. I love the verses. I've been reading those every day, and, and I know it's not a lot, and that's intentional, because what we're asking is just meditate on the verse, on the word, on the passage, whatever it is that's in for that week, and, and what is God saying to me today? God, what are you saying? What, what, what are you putting in my heart? What are you speaking to me through this passage, through this verse, through these, these uh, few verses? Lord, what do you want to talk to me about? What's going on with me? What's going on in my life that you want to, that this lands today? And how can I live life today through this verse? And so that's, a, that's just a good way to approach God's word in, in, in a relationally way, in a completely relational way. And so I also want to mention to you our Honduras mission trip is coming up. And next week is the deadline to sign up. We'll be going for a week, March 12th to the 19th. It's $1,600 round trip from here and back. And so that is uh, one week away. And I had another announcement that I can't... Oh, Vision Sunday. Next week, Vision 
Sunday. Thank you, media people. Next week, we are, we are having, actually, Vision Sunday is also Baptism Sunday. So we've, we've got a, a boatload of people. Yes, we've got a boatload of people getting baptized in both services, which is why we do what we do. Get people saved, baptized, healed, set free, delivered, sent out into ministry. It's a whole process. Hate to see you go, but I'm glad you're serving Jesus. But you can come back and serve with Jesus. They serve Jesus right here anytime. Full process. And so in Vision Sunday, we're going to reveal to you a lot of the things that God has been speaking to us uh, to begin or continue on throughout the year, which will which we'll build as we go. But there's a lot of new updates and a lot of new things to cast out to you in vision-wise. And so I wanted to encourage you to invite friends, invite others, invite family members, especially those who you know, you're going to, you're, somebody's going to pop in your head right now, who you know is on the fringe and they may or not be going to church somewhere. Or they're like, you know, I'm just not content. And you know it. And they've been sharing with you. Invite them. Invite them next weekend. We're going to have a great time. Vision Sunday. And then we'll continue. We'll finish up the message series the following week, February 6th. And so I want to get right into it. Uh, we're in this series, Be Still and Know. And I really feel like the Lord said, this is the word. This is the phrase. Wow so intense. This is, this is what I want you to know for this year, and I'm telling you, once I started hearing this, and I started seeing it everywhere for the next two months, and so in November, and I, he's never given me a word so early, usually it's right there into December going into the next year, be still and know, be still and know, be still and know, and so everything that we're doing, the message that we've been building out of this is all about this, and if we go into Psalms 46.10, because that's where this comes out of, it says, be still and know that I am God. That's why I know I can be still. But how, what, it, what does that really look like? Is it lazy? No, it's not lazy. Is, is, is it trying to impress? No, it's not trying to impress. Is it trying to work out of my own flesh? No, it's not trying to work out of my own flesh. So what does it look like? Be still and know that he is God. I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. There's some things that he wants to do in us and through us that he will be exalted. His name will be exalted. It won't be about us anymore and us getting the praise and the applause. But I will be exalted in the earth. And then he said, and Jesus said in, in Matthew, Matthew 16 and 18, I will build my church. Jesus, he, he makes it really personal that the church is his, and he's going to do the one that's, he's going to be the one that's doing the building. And he says, when people start to get who I am and who I'm calling them to be and who they are in me, they can be still and know even when things seem to be falling apart all around them, and yet the gate of Hades, a gate of hell, will not prevail against it, can't touch them. While the world's being shaken, my people won't be. Because they're going to learn how to be still and know. They'll be the thread of consistency and dependency during the midst of crisis, turmoil, chaos, and everything else is getting flipped upside down. But not my people. This is what God says. But how do we do that? How does that look? Well, we've been talking about that. We've been talking about some distinctives for us, as, not only as believers, but as a church. And in the first week, Joey started on the, the, first of, the second of January. He said, just spending time with God, learning, learning to be at his feet, learning to spend, be with him and hear from him. And, and let me just tell you, you're going to hear a lot of things that sound like what I got to go do. But in reality, I'm going to give you the key today, part four, I'm going to give you the key that just makes it all happen. 
And so we talked about sitting at the feet with Jesus, of Jesus, spending time with God. And then we talked about to help us be still and know. And then we talked about passion, having a passion and a zeal for God and his house. Because scripture says that he, a passion will consume, zeal will consume Jesus, a zeal for his house. And so shouldn't we share a similar zeal for the house of Jesus because he did? And so to re-earth uh, re that, to begin to refresh that yet again, because it's a lost thing. It's a lost art. It's a lost truth. People have become zealous for other things but his church. And you can see it. So he said reignite. We talked about reigniting that. And wouldn't it be great if churches looked a lot more like the book of Psalms that says, lift up your hands, raise up your voice in the shout of victory more than a football stadium does? Because it looks like church is going on out there, but they're worshiping a different idol. But what if church... And you guys made it feel just like the book of Psalms this morning. But So I need you at 9 a.m. Come on. And so <laughs> these are worshipers at 9 a.m. I, I guess worshipers have to they, they take a little while to get up. You know, like, oh, oh, I guess it's church 11, but I'll make it at 1045, maybe after the first worship song, something like that. I'll start to run. Okay. But where are the worshipers? Come on. The book of Psalms this morning, and it all points to the fact that we've actually found our freedom. When we, can, when we can worship and live and shout and, and praise, and, and, and it's just natural, it's because the book of Psalms and what God spoke is just inside of us and living through us. We found freedom, and we're thankful for all that God has done and is doing right now. And so we, then we talked about last week pursuing all that God has, because we also came across the, the reality that this world needs power, this, the revelation of God's power. They need, to, they need to see, people need to see the signs, miracles, and wonders that God's word talks about. They need to see that there is a response and that the great physician has not closed up shop. And there's things that are going on right now in our world that even human reasoning and intellect can't solve. But the power of God can, and God is looking for vessels to use so that his power can be released. And when his power is being released through us, we can be still and know that he is God. He is going to do it as long as we're willing to allow him to do it with us and through us. And then he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Anybody want to go to that church? Boy, yes. Wouldn't have to do so much counseling. Wouldn't have to do so much. I mean, did I say that? Sorry. Uh, because we're facing things. And so today I want to discuss a topic for you that may challenge you a lot, and it's going to open up your thinking. Uh, I want you to kind of don't get offended, because I'm probably going to step on some really things that are dear to your heart, and maybe even how some of you got saved, and, and, and the perspective of the place that you got saved, and I'm just kind of, I'm warming you up, all right? So don't, don't, anybody got tomatoes? Don't throw them at me. And so I, we're going to go a little bit deeper this Sunday than we normally would. A typical Sunday is more like a net where we're, where we're reaching everybody, but we can't go deep because everybody is in a different place. But what we do have for going deeper is what we call Thrive Tribes, which is our small group. And, and they'll begin in just a few weeks, and that's where you start to go deeper in your relationship with the Lord, in relationship with others, because so many people, well, I'm good between me and God. You're not until another person steps in your life. Because God will challenge your relationship with another human being. I don't like that. I'm good by myself. No, you're not. No, you're not. 
right. No, you're not. And so that's why we have Thrive Tribes, but we can go deeper. We can talk about deeper spiritual things. We can talk about deeper personal things, and it'll be affiliated according to what God is leading you to do and grow in so long as you shall endure the joy of growth. Everybody just loves growth when it's easy. So Thrive Tribes are coming up. And so I want to tell you, this is what we talk, uh, talk about, the finding freedom. We do that in Thrive Tribes. We have Freedom Conference. We have Freedom Sessions even. If you're uh, in every, I encourage everybody to go through a Freedom Session. You'll learn more about that as the year progresses. But we're talking about living in the tree of life. Living in the tree of life. And this is where we really start to find freedom. And I'm going to give you what is, to many of you is a new perspective on faith in Jesus. Because there's actually two approaches, two brands of Christianity. There's two different approaches to God and the way he is presented. And they are so similar and at times pure on both. And I want to introduce you, as, as I build this, to a guy who I met 11 years ago, actually. His name is Christian Lopez. Christian is how we would say it in English. When I first went into ministry, I, I, no, before I went into ministry, I went on a mission trip. God had just ordained that. I don't have enough time for that part of the testimony. I went on a mission trip. I was working a secular job. Loved it. It was great. I, I thought I was doing really good, and it was going somewhere. And so I go on this mission trip, and I meet Christian, and we're, we're connect as friends. He's my translator, and so he, he's ministering. As I'm, I'm ministering and speaking, he, he's doing really all the ministry because he's my translator. He's the one that's communicating with him. So we connect, and we're able to have time together. And, and Bill, and I'm like, you know, because in Honduras, in, in most Latin America, you better be going to church somewhere. But I saw like, hey, hey, where are you going to church at? He goes, well, my, my uncle's a pastor, but I don't go. And, and, and honestly, I, don't, I really don't like Christians name's Christian, you don't like Christians, and you're on a, in a ministry mission trip nonetheless. And so, okay, I got to know more. He goes, yeah, well, you know, I feel like every time we go to a family a gathering, my uncle's judging me because of what I do or what I don't do, and so it just makes me completely turned off from even going to church. I said, oh, I don't like those Christians either. I know those. And he goes, huh? And so, and so I called him. I said, yeah, there's actually two different approaches. And there's two realities that live in a church, unfortunately. And if you get caught up in the wrong one, you'll actually hate church. You'll hate Christians as well. That is true. He said, I, I, I want to know more about that. And so we, we started, I actually uh, ended up, long story short, ended up moving to Honduras to do ministry there, to start my ministry life. I went, I went on a, God told me to do it. And I never wanted to look back and say, I wish God, I, w- I wonder what would happen if I followed the Lord. I mean, can you imagine being in that place where God tells you to do something and you live 50 years later and you always have to look back? I wonder what would have happened. Because you can never go wrong following the Lord and truly being obedient to the Lord. And so I went, I was moved there, I lived there, and we connected. In fact, uh, he, we, he was my driver. He, he had a vehicle, I didn't have a vehicle. We would, do, we would work out together. We would do life together. We would go and minister in this place called the Bordos, which is like a squatter village in the, uh, along a river. It's where uh, more of the poor people would live and just take up space, and they would get any material they could to build a house. Well, on that same mission trip, one group, while we were ministering, one group was building a little community building. And I mean, it's smaller than this platform right here, literally. And so we would minister to kids out of that space, give them education. I would teach them English, and, and was just having a lot of fun engaging. 
Well, there were other young adults and other young adults. And in fact, that's where I met my beautiful wife. Oh, she wasn't living in the squatter village, no. She was, one of the, she was one of the young adults that kept getting invited into the story. And so I just mentored them. I discipled them. I was doing life on life with Christians. And so we go through, and the ladies are now taking care of the kids. And all along, for months, we've been seeing these teenagers across the little pathway, the, what they call a road, smoking cigarettes, giggling, and, and just watching us. And so I said, Christian, have we ever gone over and talked to those guys? No. I said, well, let's do it. Okay. So we planned this out. We said, hey... We talked to them and said, hey, we're going to be over here tomorrow. Will you be here? Yeah. So we brought some what, street food there, baleadas, which is like a burrito turned in half, and it, it was delicious, the most amazing. Worth going to Honduras, even if you don't like ministry. Go for a block. <laughs> and so we're there, and we get some Pepsi because everybody in Honduras drinks Pepsi for some reason. And so we're, we have a, a, a three liter of Pepsi and cups, and we sit around, and we're sitting in a circle, and we're just asking, what's in your heart? What, what do you really want to do? Who do you want to be? And we're hearing them, we're hearing them, we're hearing them. And over time, I'm watching Christian just begin to unfold and become who he is because he realized it's not about judging them for what they do or don't do. And they even asked in that conversation, well, what does God think about when we drink? And I told him, and I translated, I said, God, God doesn't think about you drinking. He thinks about you. And when he has you and you fall in love with him, he may discuss that with you, but he's more concerned about you than what you do. And that blew his mind, and they wanted more. Some more Pepsi, more Baleadas. Here we come. <laughs> and over time, long story short, 10 years, 11 years later, since then, it was right after they, they started taking these young, these teenagers out of gangs, by, by the way, and we did lose one. The gang members shot him right in the head behind the place that we were ministering, but the others kept coming back two weeks later. There's always a sacrifice before something great happens, let me just tell you. And so... We started, we got them plugged into learning how to build cabinets, how to build, uh, how to build guitars, how to build furniture, how to be, go into a mechanic school. They learned, all of these gang members learned English. They're bilingual now. They started a soccer club so that they could have soccer tournaments. The ministry also since then started a bilingual school for the kids, the squatter, the kids in the squatter village, and now some of the teenagers actually help at the school. Full cycle, giving these kids life from gangs, from death to life. And Christian, I wish I could take credit, but all I did was do life on life with this guy for about six months and encouraged him for the next few years. And this guy now has been handed over the ministry of Honduras, the, 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 the leadership of Honduras for what is called Director of Sparrow Missions. That's the ministry uh, missions organization that I went to help as I was going into what I now know as ministry. <laughs> for me back then, it was like a bunch of tears and wondering, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And so God just kind of gets that stuff out of you at first. And so this is Christian. He, he went away from, I don't, I don't really like church because, and I don't like Christians because they, it's more about what I do and what I don't do than it is about me to, I'm going to give my life away for Jesus because I fell in love with him. Isn't that good? Well, the question always remains for us is, what is going to be my approach to God? Because there are two approaches. There's two brands that are being sold out there to you. They're being delivered. They're being, they're being transmitted. And you got to decide, which one am I going to grasp a hold of? Which one am I going to take to heart? Which one am I going to own? Because they're, they're, they're competing even though they look so close together. They look so close, 
And the world, what the question is, what's going to be our worldview? What's going to be our filter? What's going to be our perspective? What's going to be our thinking? And even atheists are looking for a God. Because love is embedded, a desire for love is embedded inside of our souls because God is our creator, and so they're longing for something called love. Even the most hateful people are the ones most void of love, and because they've hurt, they've been hurt so bad, they hate so deep because really they just long to be loved. And we led, we led atheist families here to the, to the Lord who said they were super atheists until they came and met us. Amen to that. Thank you, Jesus, for showing your love. And thank you that we get to show you, show others what that love actually looks like. And so the first story in the Bible is in Genesis 1, the creation story, and that, that's your story as well. And the second story in the Bible, because you were created, the, the second story in the Bible is in Genesis 2, and I would even say that that's the story of your life as well. And it involves a choice. And in the story, there's a literal version. You'll be able to read that in the scriptures as you're reading line for line, word for word. But then there's also a picture of symbols that are embedded inside of that literature, inside of those words, inside of that story that God doesn't, because he doesn't do anything by accident, he put in there to see if you would search out the deeper things, Proverbs 25 too, that God, God conceals a matter and the glory, it's the glory of God that kings search out a matter. And so I can't just glaze across. I need, oh Lord, what are you saying in here? What are you showing? And there, so there are two literal trees, literal trees in the Garden of Eden. But each one of those trees come with a choice. And the picture that you're going to see, the symbolism, is the choices that are made within those trees. And so Genesis 2, 8 and 9 says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed, and the Lord, and put in the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And by the way, that's always been God's intent, that you live your life enjoying it. You heard that in church. God wants you to live your life enjoying it. Isn't that good news? Yeah. Hallelujah. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's two trees, two choices. And in every aspect of our life, our decisions are going to come down to these two trees and everything that we are doing in every framework, every genre, every domain of life is which tree am I going to live out in this moment in this domain of my life? Come down to one of two choices. And this is going to challenge what many of you grew up believing, that there, that there was a God tree and then a sin tree. And to this point, sin doesn't even enter into the picture. There's no word of sin, no talk of sin. And there was a tree of life, and are you going to do it this way? And, and I'm going to explain the tree of life in a minute, but I think I need to give you a little more perspective. Or is it going to be the tree of knowledge of right and wrong? I don't drink, I don't cuss, I don't smoke, I don't dip, I don't do none of that, so I'm a Christian. Oh, somebody went to that church. Genesis 2, 16, 17 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to enjoy yourself. Go enjoy yourself. Do whatever you want. To eat from any tree in the garden. To eat. Let me just build up on eat. To eat, to ingest, to take on 
as your worldview, your perspective of what life is going to be. Because the moment you start to take it in, it starts to help dictate how you see life thereafter. Oh, you're free. When you eat of it, you will surely die. Not good and bad, just the knowledge of. You'll say, I hate Christians. I hate church. It's awful. Why are you dragging me there? Enter the devil, chapter 3. And this is the third story of the Bible, and it's the third story of your life as well. Because you were born, you were given a choice, and you have an enemy who is trying to help you make the wrong choice. See the pictures? In Genesis 3, 1 and 7 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And here's what he says. He said to the woman, did God really say? And this is exactly what Satan does. If he can get you to doubt what God has said, then he can begin to manipulate what you're going to decide to do next, what choice you'll make, what tree you'll be swinging in. Did God really say? And that's why we, we will always be a church who teaches, preaches, proclaims, and pursues everything that God's word says and everything that he has. Because if he says it, he did it. And if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then he can still do the very things that his testimonies talk about in his word. That is righter than right. And by the way, let me just just go on. Did God really say? The woman said to the serpent, serpent, we may eat from the fruit from the tree in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat, eat from the fruit in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. Oh, watch this. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Isn't that great? And notice that Satan did not appeal to her sin nature. He didn't stick his little tongue out with a fork and say, ooh, you should go do bad things, girl. Go do bad stuff. It's okay. He said you can do anything, didn't he? Go do bad. No, he didn't. He appealed to her desire to be godly. You will be godly. Oh, that's really good. I'm going to mess with some of you today. Y'all ready? I hope you're just praying and interceding. Intercede for the person you know who's really struggling right now with this message. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Isn't that wonderful? And this is why people who are on their pursuit of godliness can miss it. I just want to be godly. I want to pursue all God has. I want to do it. I want to go after God. And all of a sudden, I end up in the wrong tree. Oof. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she looked, she took some and ate it. And I don't have time to break it down, but the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is all right there in that verse. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And look what happens, and, and this is how you know that you are eating when you're eating from the wrong tree. Then the eyes of both of them were open. Come on. There's two. Tr- there we go. Then the eyes of both of them were open. It's a struggle. It's, it's a rough back there. They were open. They were open. All of a sudden, my innocence. All of a sudden, there's a loss of innocence. I see things that I didn't see before. 
Now all of a sudden I feel different than what I felt before. Hmm, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe, maybe that wasn't the right tree to eat from. All of a sudden there's a loss of innocence. And then they realize they were naked. Shame starts to come in. Oh my gosh, what's going on? And that's what, that's what religious people do. They start to put shame on you because of what you're doing or you don't do. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings from their self. So then they tried to do godliness their own way. Because only God and his ways, what he says in his word, can cover you and protect you. But here's what happens when we're deceived and we're living from the wrong tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Oh no, I'll just do this this way. And I'm trying to perform godliness and cover myself with my best effort. That's hot right there. That'll preach if I had three, three weeks to preach it out. I know God's word says that, but here's what I think about it. Nobody does that in here. And so there's two choices. There's two choices. There we are. The tree of knowledge of good and evil says this. Do more to get to God. Do more to get to God. I just need to do more. I really want to make sure that I'm good with God. Anybody ever said that? I was deceived. Even religion will tell you that. And then religion will challenge your godliness, will test your godliness. How many, how many times, how many verses, chapters did you read today? Not enough. How many minutes did you pray this morning? Three? You should be praying an hour, brother. Not enough. You know what's not enough? Because it never will be enough. Because you don't have to do more to get to God. Do more, do more. Then, Then people start to think they're more godly if they do more. And by the time they think they're doing everything, all of a sudden they're looking at you like this. Because they're looking at you through the tree of knowledge of good and evil about what you do or you don't do. And that's, but that's a mindset. That's the Martha solution. Martha, Martha, Martha. You're always busy doing. Oh, you just got saved? Go, mem- go memorize the book of Proverbs. Time to get it in you. You don't know it in three weeks. I don't know if, you really, if that, that salvation really took. Good Lord. But, but that's the mindset. The tree of life says receive what Jesus already did. Do you see what he did? Because there's nothing you can do to earn salvation. Salvation is a free gift. And they're also why so many of, some of the meanest Christians I've met oftentimes know the Bible really well. And so do the Pharisees. John 5, 39, 40 says, You diligently study the scriptures because you think by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. He's saying it wasn't about you learning it. It was about you finding the person who's in it and behind it so that when you fall in love with him, you'll desire the things that are in his word. The tree of knowledge of good and evil says try to get God's approval. Get God's approval because he is inherently mad. Oh, he's mad and you better earn his approval, brother. You better earn it. By the way, the view of God, your view of God will determine what your relationship with God even looks like. Coming to him timid and shame, and I don't even want to get close because I might get in trouble. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that's why so many, so many carry so much shame. God is mad at me. And he certainly wants to judge me for the things that I'm struggling with. Growing up, my pastor 
who, great, I mean, a great pastor. He, he would always, you know, the message always at some point, though, he was out, out of that bent, out of that season, and this is where I'm, I'm, I don't want to hurt your feelings because I know some of you may have gotten saved there. He always warned people about hell. Turn and burn. You're going to go to hell. He would talk about hell like he was from there. Like he really knew it, like, oh, what it's going to be like. I'm like, how do you know? And he would, he would just point at you. You know, he'd be pointing at you. And, and, I, and I hope you never think that I'm doing that. Like, like please let me know it. Pastor Nathan, I feel like you were talking directly to me. Like some people say that, but that's the Holy Spirit speaking. But after I start pointing and getting all raspy in my voice, and you know that I, I, I've been possessed. Before, <laughs> For many of you, you came up in the mindset that, that had that turn or burn message, and you got saved there. Here's the problem. That fear message never leads to love. And so you've been holding on to the pew ever since, saying, I'm just, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to show up to church. And no life has been in it. And you've wondered what this Christian life was really all about and why you even surrendered to the Lord. Now, I'm messing with you. Because you've been living in the tree of knowledge of good and evil because you were taught a tree of knowledge of good and evil message. But that's not the message that Jesus came to teach. Yes, there's been effectiveness in it. Yes, you've, you have come to know the Lord as Jesus Christ and your Lord, your Lord and Savior. But now it's time to swing over to a different tree. Time to, time to grab that vine that's right in front of you. And for many, so, so it's a wrong world view. The tree of knowledge, the tree of life says receive God's love for me. Receive God's love for me. God's not mad at you. He's mad for you. He loves you, and he longs to be in relationship with you. If he had a huge refrigerator in heaven, your picture would be on it. He'd be like, oh, you see me? He'd be up to the 24 elders and all the angels. He'd be like, come over, come over here. I'm going to show you the one I'm so proud of. And he's pointing at all of them at the same time because he's got billions of fingers probably. Uh, so the one I'm so proud of, oh, yeah, she's really messing up right now, but she's going to get it. She's going to keep on leaning into love, and I'm going to show her through. It's going to be okay. Isn't that great? Isn't that, isn't that the love of God who's, who's meeting us right where we are, and yet he's saying, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on, and, and boy, I'm not going to try to give her constraints on the outside because I'm leading her from the inside. Woo. Romans 8, Romans 5, 8, Katera said it, but God demonstrates his own love for us that in while we were sinners, while we were sinners, God, Christ died for us. He didn't, he didn't say, oh, wait, 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 you know, go to the cross. I'm going to the cross. He's about to be put on the cross. He's got the, 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 the centurion soldiers, got a Roman, got a, got a nail, and they're about to hit the hammer. Wait, 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 wait. Before we do this, I just want to make sure somebody's actually going to love me for this. No, he did it no questions asked. Bloody, spit covered, said, oh, man. If they get what I'm doing for them right here, their lives will be changed forever. And Scripture literally says, this right here was the joy that, set, joy that is set before you. The love that I go through, I do the things, it's not a burden for me, it's a delight because of the joy. I get vision from the Lord, I get to see what He's seeing. Oh, it's a joy. The tree of knowledge of good and evil says, focus on the eternal, external, focus on the external. Wear the right clothes, talk the right way, do the right things, look this way. And it's stress, it's continual restraint from the outside. The tree of life says focus on the internal. And this is why Jesus came along, and this is the biggest gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, they didn't have anything in them. They had stone tablets that the word, the law was written on, and there were external constraints put on men. 
The goal was to try to change men from the outside to lead to what was going to happen on the inside one day, to realize I can't do it. That's right. But they never got it. And so then the New Testament says, no, 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 no. It's not on the outside. It's a transformed heart. It's, it's a, whenever no, no longer the Bible says, will I teach you right and wrong, but I'll put my words on your heart, and then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to counsel you through with that. Isn't that good? And which way, which is why when you control someone's behavior from the external, they'll do what you want for a little while, but let them go out and start getting on their own time. They start doing whatever it is that they wanted to anyway. Why? Because there's no heart change on the inside. Don't do that. Don't do that. You better not. You better not. Instead of leaning in and say, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? What's really happening? This isn't the problem. What's really the problem? When I start to get into the heart, then I can start talking about what, what really, what's really going on. And when God starts to hear what's really going on, he's finally confessing it, he starts to bring in what really needs to go on. And then you fall in love with it because it's so, such a better version than what you had. And Samuel 16, 7 says, 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Looks at the heart. And so the tree of knowledge of good and evil says, obey out of duty. You better do it. So you're like, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm showing up. My pastor told me if I don't serve, I'm going to go to hell. It ain't going to look like I can't prove that I'm saved, and so I'm going to serve. I don't like it. Heck, it's Sunday, and I got to go to church again. Oh, if these Sundays would just stop coming. Like you're mean because you're doing that out of duty from the wrong tree. Oh, everybody's like, oh, you're making me so awkward in here. It's just, that's why, and that's why so many people don't like these Christians. And that's why when I talk with Chris John, I'm like, yeah, I don't like those Christians either. Because they're living out of the wrong tree. And they're trying to get everybody else to live out of the wrong tree. Who else did that? That's why so many people call deacons demons. They're usually a bunch of old men that they, they feel like they finally arrived and all of a sudden they're bodyguards for Jesus. And they're looking for somebody to break. <laughs> Sorry if you were a deacon at your church. God saved you from that. And so the tree, the tree of life, tree of life says obey out of delight. Obey out of delight. And even some pastors eat from the wrong tree. And it burdens me. It bugs me whenever I hear this. Oh, brother, 30 years ago, I surrendered to the ministry. You surrendered? Like, I, I'm overwhelmed that he even picked me. It's a joy that I get to do this. You surrender to the ministry. Well, be, bless your heart. Go do something else. <laughs> 1 John 5, 3 says this. For the love, this love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. His commands don't have to be burdensome. They can be what you want to do instead of what you have to do. And here's how. I'm going to give you three responses here. we got to fall in love with Jesus. And how do I do that, Pastor? Well, one, I, I remember where I was when I first met him. Whew. And then I realized, being honest with myself, you know what? I've, I'm not perfect, but I've come a long ways from that. And i gotta be, I got to confess, I didn't do that. He did it. And if he's done that for my life and for my family and 
and whoever else that I know that's really impacted my life, then what else could he do? And I start to fall in love with Jesus because I think there's more that he can do. I don't think the great physician has closed up shop. And so John 14, 15 says this. If you love me, and I used to read this from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I'm going to show you, and many of you understand it that way too. If you love me, you'll, you'll, you'll do what I say. You'll obey my commands. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. You know what? I don't see you serve. I don't see you doing. I don't see you doing all this. You must not love Jesus. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. Tree of life says, you know what? Don't worry. When you fall in love with me, it's going to be a delight to do what I say. A light switch just turned on and somebody sees the tree of life today. It's a delight, not a problem, because I'm in love with the one who who gave me life. So which side, which side of the comma are you on? I just love Jesus, but you better obey those commands. Or you don't love Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says Christ's love compels us. Like I, I do it because he, he first loved me. And when I fall in love with him and all that he has, it, man, it's a joy. I don't have to surrender to the ministry. I don't have to surrender to the hospitality. <laughs> I surrender to the kids' ministry. <laughs> Lord help us. You need to remember this right here. I can fulfill the commands of the Bible better by falling in love with God rather than trying to obey everything. Man, if I could just quit committing adultery, if I could just, just get this temptation off my heart, this lust is driving me nuts, if I can just set up enough, if I can set up enough protection on my screens, if I can get enough accountability, if I can get it. Okay, some of that's good. But how about you just fall in love with Jesus? And he changes the desires of your heart. How about quit all the external constraints and let the internal be transformed? That's why we needed to receive, we need to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit because he empowers us to live this life. Number two, respond to sin with life. And your response will, do, will, will show, will reveal which tree you're living in. Respond to sin with with life, and, and, and I just can't say it enough, please get off social media for the next week. Just, just get into the Word. John 3, 17, and the message says, God didn't go, go could tell all the trouble of, through, through all the trouble of, through all the troubles, what should, should be, sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. Look at you. I knew when I showed up on earth you'd be doing this. <laughs> oh. Telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. And this is the essence of grace. Grace will invite you to be free so the truth can set you free. Boy, that's a good one. And Jesus came to set me free, not make me sorry. And this is what Chris John fell in love with. Oh, there's another tree I can live in, there's another approach to church. There's another approach to Christianity. Well, I can accept that. And when he did, he gave his life away for love. And love is multiplying love. He doesn't have to do it. He gets to do it. Number three, guard my heart from going back. 
There's a vine in the middle of those trees, and it's so easy being the tree of life over here. Oh, it's good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, brother. I just love you. Can't wait. I'm even going to get baptized three times because I want it to be good. And I'm going to read three more, three more chapters a day. And it's really, you know, in the right place to swing over here. Man, I can't believe what my employer's doing. I can't believe they did that to me. Can you believe so-and-so just out there smoking again and, and right outside the church? Wing back over to the tree of life. Isn't it great that smokers want to hear about Jesus? <laughs> Hallelujah. Human history. You know they're smoking right outside. Human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something rather than God, other than God, which will make him happy. Isn't that the story? I'm empty inside, and I'm trying to fill it with something, and I don't know that it's only God that can change me. Can I pray for you? We just need to kind of readjust our thinking. We don't want to be the mean Christians that nobody likes. I don't want to go to church. We do need to reestablish a passion and a zeal for God's house. We do need to reestablish. We need to pursue all God has. But it's not a do, do, do. It's a fall in love with Jesus. And as a byproduct, I just become. I want to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary. I'm the Martha washes off of me. But I even know. I love to serve, I love to give, I love to do, I love to have a passion and a zeal for, for what is a passionate in God's house and in God's, God's heart. I love those things, and it's not a burden for me. I get to see Sunday again. I can't wait for Sunday to come back around because I'm in love with Jesus. So, Father, I just pray that you just wreck our hearts. In this last week of the fast, that you just show up in miraculous ways each day in our lives, Lord. Just completely catch us when we're distracted and drive our hearts back to you. Let transformation truly in love with you and so desiring your presence that transformation just takes place. And thank you, Lord, that your way is way more freeing than our way. And I ask this always, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And whatever he's saying, I encourage you to just do that because love will enter in. Y'all good? All right. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's stand up.